Welcome to the School of Travel's podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the School of Travel's podcast. Today, I'm really excited to introduce my guest to you, Eustace Zeman, in what is probably one of my favorite interviews I've ever done for the show, because Eustace and I cover such an interesting variety of topics in one information-packed episode. Not only is Eustace a skilled photographer who has found a way to capture a large part of the German market on Udemy, but he also dives deep into how to make courses that people really need and how he transitioned from life in the office to living almost completely off of passive income. He also introduces me to the fascinating world of LARP. And if you've never heard of LARP, as I had not before talking with Eustace, you're going to want to stay tuned because it is fascinating. Also, in this episode, I mention episode 50, which I actually haven't released yet. You may be wondering what happened to episode 50. It is hopefully coming right after this episode with Eustace because it's actually a person who joins Eustace on a trip across the Atlantic in a small catamaran with only about eight people. And I wanted to interview my guest, her name is Sylvia, in episode 50, before she leaves and then after she's finished with her sailing adventure. So stay tuned because in the next episode, we're going to hear from Eustace's friend, Sylvia. But for now, without further ado, here is my interview with Eustace. Welcome to episode 52 of the School of Travels podcast. Today, I am here with fellow sailor Eustace Seaman, who will be going along on the journey with my guest, Sylvia, from episode 50 across the Atlantic Ocean. Today, in fact, you're leaving Eustace. Is that true? That's true. Welcome to the podcast. And I'm so excited to hear more about your background and a little bit about how you're feeling about this journey. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me in the podcast. As you said, my name is Justus. I am born in 86 and uh, raised in Germany. And when I was around 30 years old, I decided that I want to see more of the world. So before I left to travel and discover, I built an automated online business for online courses. So all the expertise I get in my years before I started to teach. And when I built up that business, I was ready to leave. And from that moment on, I'm discovering the world and also the worlds in the spiritual uh, ways. So I have the freedom to, to see it all, let's say. Yeah, I was fascinated by your story when you started telling it to me a few nights ago here in Lisbon where we met. And first, I want to go back a little bit. So you did you work in an office and in like a very kind of traditional company system before this realization at the age of 30 that you wanted to change? Uh, I did many, many things, uh, starting from the paper boy right, that rides around with a bicycle and gives paper to the people. Uh, I wrote reviews about computer hardware. That is how I started with photography and editing, because I had to do that for the articles. 
Then I became a professional electrician, so I know how it is to work on a construction site as also as in the industry. Then I studied mechanical engineering and supply engineering because I thought I don't want to work on a construction site, I want to have a good job, good payment and everything. So I aimed to become an engineer <laughs> and when I was studying in the States, uh, I realized that what I'm doing is not what I really want. And then I came back and said, now I want to do something that fits me well. And since I'm doing photography, since I'm small, I said, okay, it has to be something with photography. So I wanted to start a photography business. And I talked to a person who helps to build businesses, right? like a consultant. And he was so fascinated by my idea that he said, can you please build up that business in my company? Because he was a tax consultant, really open-minded. He had already a journalist writing newsletters and text. So I came in for photography and later videography and design. Together with a journalist and another partner, we built up a marketing agency. So what we did, we helped our clients to have all the needs that you need to make public relations, let's say. Videos, pictures, articles, flyers, advertisement, websites, social media, the whole package. And yes, you sit in an office and you organize your day and um, you sit on the computer because you have to edit the pictures and the videos. But I also did all the organization of the appointments and when to go where and trying to get new clients and take care of the existing clients. So I did a lot of work in that field. It's a small town where I lived and three people company with that amount of customers or clients and you can see where it goes, let's say, right? So I decided, okay, I want something different, maybe more. But if you have the sword, you want more and then you dig into yourself, you find maybe what you really want. And for me, that was the possibility to work when and wherever I want with whom I want. That's why I built uh, different online businesses till I reached uh, the level of teaching. And that is my thing, I think. Wow. So you really just like, was there a special, was there a certain moment when you had that epiphany? Or like you said, you just started digging down into yourself when you, I guess, were a few years into having this photography business? Yeah. I think after three, four years, it started that I realized that the thing I'm doing somehow is not the thing. I want to do again after the studies. Yeah, the, the real knowledge of what I want to do came while I started to do it. So the more I research of what I really want, like goal writing. So if you write down your goals every day and you make them more precise and precise and precise and you start out to, to cross things out and put in new things and after a couple of months you maybe reach a point where you know what you really want. And for me that was the freedom. So it took nine months to know what I'm aiming at and then it took uh, more months to reach the goal. I think that's fascinating. I've never heard of daily goal writing. Was it more like very specific towards just a, a wide variety of things that you were writing down for your goals or were you just having no. some time in the morning and can you I, explain how that... Yeah, so every day I wrote down where I want to be in a year, in three years, and five years and then out of that the the next steps that I have to do to reach the goals. I wrote them down every day. And if you write it down every day, you also read it every day, right? So you 
somehow change what you want by discovering that what you wrote down on the first day is not what you want two weeks later, right? So you niche it down and if you follow that and if you do it that way, you brainwash yourself. So I don't know if that is super healthy. I mean, for me, it's great because I reached my goal and my freedom, but it is a 100% rational brain focused thing. And uh, yeah, you need a lot of um, concentration and stamina for that and a big, big desire, I think, to, oh. to do it. Yeah. Wow. Do you remember some of those early goals that you were writing down? Yeah, the, <laughs> the early goals was like, okay, in, in one and a half years, I want to work three days for the company and two days for myself, right? Something like that. And then after a while, you, you don't want to work for the company anymore. You want to work for your company, right? You want to build it yourself. And then maybe you don't want to work at all anymore, right? You want something different. So it is a process. So it was more time for myself, mainly. And uh, the independence of the outside, let's say. Mm -hmm. So let's say you break a leg and you can't do your work. That's really bad, right? So I wanted to have something where I can break both legs and can still do my work, right? So that limited to something with a laptop or with, with hands, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to do it while you travel, you don't do pottery, for example, because you can't take all the stuff with you. Right. So that's how the laptop came into the game. And then, okay, how to reach people online. That's why it was an online business that I can do with a laptop. So let's talk about that. So you were 30 when you started... Yeah, 30-ish, yeah, I think, yeah. In this direction you found through the goal writing. And yeah. what happened then? Where did that take you? Yeah, it became quite quick, <laughs> quicker than I thought. So I had the idea to uh, minimize my, my normal work and have more work for my business or more time for my business. But at a certain point, I started to produce my first online course, which I've seen. So I watched in Congress about... Uh, passive income. I think it was a passive income online congress. Mm -hmm. And uh, I watched all the 40 videos of the congress to have a big variety of what is possible. And uh, the online course thing somehow that was, I don't know, I've seen it and I wanted it, right? So I get in contact with a guy, he explained a little bit, and then I made my first online course and it worked really well. So we said, okay, I make a second one. And that worked okay. And then I made a third one and that was a big hit. So oh, that big hit showed me that if I put more time into the courses, I will reach my financial freedom goal quite quicker. So I said, okay, there is a moment where I have to tell my business partner I want more money or more time. And since I know all the numbers of the company, I know the answer. It will not happen, right? So we came up with a solution that I go out of the company and if I work for them, I write an invoice. So they became my client. And that was our idea to, to make it like that for a year or something or one and a half years to see how it works. But after the first three months, I was already so far ahead of my goal that I had the opportunity to leave. And, and so I sold everything and left and I didn't really work a lot for that company anymore because I had my freedom go through the online courses so quick. And so, you were using Udemy? Was that the platform yes. that you put things in? Yeah, okay. there's an online teaching platform. It's called Udemy. And uh, when I started, it was 
it was way smaller than now in 2020. Thanks to COVID, we get 20 million new students. And before we've been 30 in eight years. So we need eight years to have 30 million students. And now in one year, we get 20 million on top. So that's a lot. And depending on the area you, you teach in, so I'm teaching in the German market for photography, videography, design. So everything I really know, that is what I teach. I don't like to teach things I don't know because I, I don't feel well with that. And in that market, I was one of the first and uh, yeah, quite, quite successful instantly, let's say. So I stick with the, with the ones that worked and make it bigger and bigger. And for the photography market, for example, it's a mass market and right? everybody does it. So a lot of people want to have the knowledge. And for that, Udemy is quite good because it's like a marketplace. Thousands of people or millions of people go there every day. They see your product and they buy it. And then you have a revenue share with Udemy. And uh, if you have a lot of clients or a lot of students, uh, it's fine. It's enough to live if you... If you don't have a lot of clients or you have the wrong niche, let's say, then maybe you need a different solution for online courses. Okay. And I, I'm sure it depends on how many courses that you decide to make. And like you said, if one of them in particular goes viral, yeah. or, do you have any insight as to why that third course became such a big hit? I know you have mentioned already it was longer. Perhaps you'd spent more time on it. Uh, I think it's... There are two different um, things. So there's free education and paid education, right? And uh, for example, with Photoshop, the people have a problem and they go to YouTube and they can find the solution for their problem. But most of the YouTube uh, content has like music and somebody who talks one minute about how great he is or what he's going to explain next and blah. And it takes like 10 to 15 minutes to figure out if this video really gives you the solution. And my way of teaching is, <laughs> maybe it's because I'm German, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, straight to the point. So there's one thing I'm going to explain you in this lesson, and that's it. There's no music, there's no blah, blah. It's just the knowledge you really want. I'm telling you before you buy the product, I'm telling you what you get and what you don't get. So every client of mine every student knows what he's doing or she's doing right so maybe that is that is one thing like transparency that, that helps a lot and another thing is that in my early research about online courses i read somewhere i read an article and somebody wrote don't copy be authentic be yourself but don't copy anybody else because they are already there Right? So if you be yourself and you teach how you are yourself, you will find your audience. Right? There are people which like you and people which don't like you. Right? So stay with the ones that like you and teach them. And the others, they will find another teacher somewhere else. You, you don't need them all. Right? And uh, I see that in all the years I'm doing this now. Sometimes I see like copycats that try to do something or hunt for quick money. But there's no long-term success usually for them or they learn so much from it that they become themselves afterwards and then it works but usually i think it was being authentic being straight to the point being one of the first maybe right could be and uh, teaching what i really know because i started with photoshop when i was 14 so somehow after so many years uh, i know what i'm talking about and yeah 
So you aren't making a course that you, you just learned that skill from a YouTube video no. a month ago, and then you're going to make a course about it. I think that happens a lot on these it skill, skill sharing. Yeah, it's happening a lot. And uh, I think it's okay if you tell the people how it really is, right? So for example, now I'm, I'm thinking about to make a private pilot license. And uh, if I do that, I will make an online course while I'm doing the education. So my student is part of the process. So I educate myself. And if I teach it to somebody else, the knowledge goes really deep. But it's also clear that I am learning it myself now. And I'm just describing it in my word, my, with my words so that you can grasp the knowledge maybe. And if you're up for that, you can buy the course and use it. If not, don't. But I'm not telling you, hey, I'm a pilot, I'm super cool, you can learn everything from me, because it's not true, right? So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I love the story you told me about how you put a course out there that was just your passion. It was not even finished, and you told your students up front, this isn't even finished, I just want to put this out here. And I thought that was really, that transparency was so refreshing. Yeah. So transparency is a big uh, it's a big thing and I think generally in life uh, it makes sense to be like that with all your relationships to people, not only in business. But yeah, I know also that's a uh, big step for a lot of people to be like that, yeah. Yeah. So now, I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing, but now you don't, you, you, all your money is coming from Udemy and you don't have, it's really passive. You, you don't, you make updates to some of the courses, but really you can go anywhere and be anywhere with anyone you want like you your goals yeah it's uh let's say the main income stream is uh, udemy but it's not only udemy so since i'm teaching the adobe tools and i'm i'm quite good i'm a certified adobe teacher so i'm an affiliate of adobe so that is definitely an income stream because my students need the software to work so after maybe after one and a half or two years of teaching, I get in contact with Adobe and they said, yeah, okay, we see what you do. So, so that is good. Then there is, uh, so there are a few affiliate things that, that pop up of that. And I also have my own platform where I teach the same things, but in a different way, more deep with uh, different support. Because in Udemy, if you buy a course, it's like 10 to $20. And I'm not there 24-7 to give you support with your questions, right? Because if you pay $10, to be honest, I don't spend my time with you so much, right? And my courses are in a way structured that nearly all your questions are answered. And that is exactly what's happening. The students ask a question, I see the question. And if I watch the lesson they ask for, it's answered. So sometimes I maintain the lesson then that I say okay maybe it was not clear how I said it so I record it new and make it so that nobody has to ask again because it's clear right so I improve the courses uh, with certain things and two times a year there's an update I, I put in and that is the online teaching world so my own platform is a little bit of income affiliate and Udemy and then I have other businesses and other uh, income streams for more passionate projects let's say so, yeah. Amazing. It's a, yeah. It sounds like a very strong multiple income stream yeah. that like, like will allow you the freedom that you dreamed of so many years ago. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's really great that, that it gives me the freedom I need. Yeah. 
you pointed out something to me I'd not not heard of before we talked, and that was Udemy for business. I didn't realize that you can, if you have like these this deep knowledge about a skill that employees would need, that there's a way to get affiliated with Udemy for business and make your course purchased by companies. Is that right? Yes. So at the moment, it's still since two and a half years we are developing this uh, Udemy for business, and it is that if your course is good in the public domain, then it can be chosen for the Udemy for Business. So before Udemy puts anything to the big important business clients they have, it has to be proven by the public. And that is, at the moment, I think that's a little bit tricky because let's say we have a course, so I do a lot of cooperations with other teachers. So I show them how to make a how to make an online course, how to understand the psychology of your student, how to understand your own psychology while you're teaching, because there's way more than just knowledge to make a good course, right? You have to motivate them. You need a red line to follow. The material you give has to be in a certain way. So it's not only, oh yeah, I know how to do a podcast, for example. Now I can teach everybody. If you want to be good, you have to do a little bit more, right? And, and that is what I teach other people which want to teach. So that is another income stream like cooperations. And there's a course which is for businesses, but we have to put it in the normal Udemy market that it maybe one day reach Udemy for business, but normal people are maybe not interested in it, right? So that is the tricky part I see with Udemy for business. But if you have a good course and you are in the program, it's like, it's a different model. The clients buy a monthly subscription, let's say, and your revenue share is by watched minutes. So let's say one of my courses is in there. I have an employee from some company. It's watching it maybe 100 minutes a week, right? So 400 minutes a month, let's say. Then you get amount X for the 400 minutes that it was watched. I see. It's really interesting. It might motivate some people that never thought of making courses if they have certain expertise and they yeah. teach in that kind of market in the future. Yeah, I think it's good with with certain uh, topics, certain expertise. I also have a, a cooperation, or I have a friend now, and he became a friend. He reached out to me because he uh, wanted to know if Udemy is something he should do or not. And when I've seen on what level he's selling and who are the clients and what he's doing, absolutely not Udemy, right? Because his courses or his knowledge is like five digits, right? So Udemy maximum is $200, right? So it doesn't make sense. And his clients are not on Udemy, right? His clients are other big businesses which do really long-term big projects. So you can't reach them with Udemy. That's not the target audience of Udemy, let's say. So it really depends on your expertise. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was thinking how, you know, would you recommend starting on Udemy the way you did and then bringing it out to your own platform later? Or do you mm -hmm. think it's better to start and try to build up your own platform first? It depends on your niche, to be honest. If you have a mass market niche, which is not totally red, so let's say, let's say you do yoga, for example, right? And you want to do an English yoga beginners class in English, right? There are hundreds. So you jump into the Red Sea and you will never see land, right? But if you have uh, something special, something unique, a really special yoga kind that is for advanced people, 
right? And you know there's a demand in the Spanish market, which is the second biggest, I think. Maybe you put it there as a niche and people which are searching for that find it. So you are in the mass market for this special niche. And then from there, you can maybe make a beginner course because you already have proof, right? So you, you first go to the things that are not there. And then after you did all that, you also go to the overflooded mass market. But then people will cross by. That's a, that's a big advantage of Udemy, right? And if you have, let's say you make, uh, you have a dog beauty saloon, right? And you want um, to share your knowledge about that. And you have a Facebook group with, with 5,000 people, for example. And uh, it's like a real community that really works. And you say, okay, guys, I want to make a, a seminar, maybe one and a half hours. And it is about how you can easily maintain your dog's hair, for example, right? And uh, you ask your audience, and what do you like to pay for it? And they say, yeah, $80, right? So then you can make that, that content and you put it on Udemy for a fixed price. So it's not in the Udemy marketing system. So it is not like 10 or $20, it's like $80. And you send that link to your own audience and then you sell it. So then you get all that money and then it's really good, like a hoster. And maybe from there you find a second audience on Udemy, but you have your audience and it's okay. The price limit is 199. So if you want to sell something that is more expensive, Udemy is maybe not the right host for you. Then you should go with an own platform and do all the marketing. And I mean, you need a lot, right? If you want to sell something, you need a platform, you need advertisement, you need payment providers, support via email and etc. etc. So building your own platform, especially in the beginning, it's good if you have a niche that doesn't work on Udemy, but if it works, maybe if it's not too red, you can still do it, yeah. Thank you for that. That's really helpful, I think, for people who've always been thinking, should I put something up there or how does that, how does it all begin Yeah. and how does it grow? And you mentioned the red line. People need a red line to follow. Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, if you or the, the listeners think about if you want to learn something, it's good to be guided somehow that you start in the beginning at the basics for, for some people. So my clients in my market, the students are from 16 years or 14 years up to 90 years, right? So in photography, you have everybody. And then there are people which never installed a tool on a computer. So you have to explain them how to download Photoshop and install it, then set it all up, right? So you need this audience. The red line starts with a download. Then you have like the 21 years old marketing student already six semesters in studies, worked with Photoshop for two years and just wants to get the last tweaks and, and stuff, right? So somehow you also have to give him a red line where he can follow or she can follow. So it makes sense to start really in the beginning and go all the way to the end. And then whoever wants to jump in at the right spot can follow that red line then. So guidance and uh, a useful structure helps, I think, a lot. Or a certain... I have a course that is made for, yeah, maybe students, but mainly employees or employers. And it gives you the opportunity to learn the most important things of Photoshop in eight hours. So the, the course itself, only two and a half hours of content, but you have to work along, right? So you see the lesson, which is 
in the ideal length of 7 to 15 minutes because that is how the student of today is able to learn. Yeah? So it's 7 to 15 minutes, you watch it and you immediately work it through. So if the course is three hours and you have to work with everything, you probably need double the time, right? So I asked my, at that time, I think it was 20,000 Photoshop students. I asked them, who of you is working for business with it? Then I asked all these people, what are the biggest pain points, right? So I had a big audience, so I could do my research. And then I made a course specific for this needs, which helps you in eight hours. So if you have an employee, he can learn Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, two hours each day. And on Friday, he knows what to do, right? So it's really easy to do. And you can calculate that because your employee costs money, right? So you can, you can calculate it. And if you want to do it for yourself, you know, okay, I need eight hours. So I can skip a day, learn Photoshop basics, and then keep going. And if you tell them that, it's okay. So that is the red line only for this specific audience, right? So that is what I think is the red line to, to guide them and to give them an idea of what they get. That's so valuable. Thank you for clarifying that. And I hope <laughs> some people find it helpful with their own courses. Yeah, so, they should. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. So after you start, just, just a quick question, what was the average amount of time it took for you to make one of these courses? That really depends on the topic and the length of the course, right? If you do, if you this Photoshop course, for example, right? It's uh, my main expertise, Photoshop. I know it inside out. I made this Udemy Photoshop Masterclass. I made private Photoshop courses. I made workshops. So the things I teach in this special short course, I know them by hand. I didn't have to research anything, right? So I can just create it till maybe a week or two. I don't know. If you do something, you are not so well educated about, let's say, Illustrator, for example, right? So you want to change something in Illustrator and there are 10 ways, right? So I know seven ways, but there are three more ways I don't know or I never used. So what I do is I research these and I tell them my students because they maybe like way number nine more than way number two, right? So they get the idea that they find their own workflow. So that takes longer because I have to research, maybe I have to talk to the Adobe engineers to understand what's really going on. And then I have to process what is relevant for my student or whatnot. So if I do a 10 minutes lesson, maybe it takes me three hours to produce it. If I do a 10 minutes lesson in the Photoshop, maybe it takes me 30 minutes because I prepare it, I record it and I edit it, right? And if it's 10 minutes, you have to edit 10 minutes, right? So it's already 20, so yeah. I think average overall 10 minutes of course content, maybe 45 minutes of creation over my, all my courses and all the, the, I don't know how many hours content I have, maybe 100 hours of content. So maybe 45 minutes per 10 minutes, of course. Yeah. Interesting. That's a great baseline for people to, again, like you said, it depends on their, their skill set and what they're teaching. Yeah, it's, it's not only about the teaching. So for me, because I had the marketing agency before, I wrote articles about computer hardware. I'm with computers my whole life, basically, right? So if I want to do a recording, I, I know how to use a screencast software. I know all the tools I use. I have the recording equipment. I have the video equipment if I want to. So if I 
sell a course, I need promotional videos, right? So I can produce them myself because I know how to produce videos. I know about lightning, about audio, about what camera settings I need, all the edits and everything. So it's, for me, it's quite quick because I know all the tools I need for that. Yeah. But as you get that experience, you're going to get better and better. Like exactly. You're so, so yeah, the first course is like, the second is like, oh, and the third is like, hey, I know how that works, right? And you just go. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So cool. Well, so you got all this financial independence from making these courses, working so hard on them, building up your repertoire of all the things you were doing. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? What exciting things? How did your life change once this income started coming in? And what cool trips or experiences did you treat yourself to? Mm -hmm. It all started when I was uh, <laughs> so Udemy. Uh, I made a, a video editing course on Udemy. And somebody reached out to me and said, hey, I've seen that you do the video editing course. I have one also. Why is yours so successful? Can we talk? Can we do? So we had a call and he was like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm in Thailand at the moment. And I said, yeah, great. I'm in Germany. So what to do? And he said, yeah, uh, I do this three weeks trip for. So he's making a movie about a travel company. And he asked me if I can make a movie about him while he's making a movie about the travel company. <laughs> and somehow I said, yes, why not? And two weeks later, I flew to Thailand with hand luggage, six and a half kilograms of technique and one and a half kilograms of clothes. So I had nothing. I was just like, this is really crazy. Let's do that. So that was my first trip. And it showed me that the things I have in Germany is not what I want. I don't want a big flat and vintage cars and, and all these nice things i want to be really light and travel so that was my eye opener that was really nice and when i came back i sold everything and then i started full-time traveling with hand luggage for 18 months i think yeah and the, the cool fancy things i've seen so i've been on the nomad cruise two times that was really nice and uh, my way of traveling is quite slow so i try to stay every place I visit for one, two, three months to understand the mentality and the behavior of the people which live in that country. So I talk to employers, employees, old people, young people, all different levels of society to see if this is a place I would like to be or not. And then usually at one, two months later, I continue to see what else is there. And uh, through that, I met, um, I think the most interesting things are international events so i have a hobby it's called live action role play and uh, i had an event in germany with 10,000 players that is massive it's amazing and they come from all over and that was cool and then i said okay that's not enough i want more so i found one in poland and uh, i drove there and it was the best event i've ever visited i would say no offense, but for me, even better than Nomad Cruise, if you want to compare anything. All right, I have to stop you right there, because I need you to explain what happens with this live-action roleplay. So live-action roleplay is like an improvisation theater where you play a different character. And all the setups are different, so you can play it in a fantasy world, you can play it in a future world. In the real world, you can have fights or politics or economics or whatever interests you. And I am mainly in fantasy worlds, 
So the thing we do in Poland is that you go into a castle uh, with 120 players-ish, and for four days you are a thousand years back in time. So there's no electricity. If you want to go somewhere, you need a candle or a torch, right? And it plays in a fantasy world, so you have to fight monsters, you have to learn magic, and 24-7 in character. So if I go there, for example, I am taught of Floatsem, which is a village somewhere that a writer had in mind, right? And, and Todd has an, an inn and tavern, and he has a problem with selling information to other countries. So he wants to get rid of spies. So he goes to the castle to find the military intelligence to become smart about that, right? So you have a little background story, and then you go there, and for three days, three, four days, you are this person. And that really grinds you off the real life because it's like different world, basically. Oh my gosh, I'm fascinated. Like, okay, is this all on a website? Like you sign up to a website and then you find out there's events and then you pay to join that event and then you get the script or your character? Like, yeah, I'm so I think there's, uh, maybe there are websites which list all the events, I don't know. But this specific thing has an own website and another LARP, it's a live action role players, LARP in short. Mm -hmm. It has another website. So you go to the website, you check if it's interesting, maybe you talk to the community, which is there somehow organized, maybe on Facebook or other internet options. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you just talk and you figure out if you like it or not. And what I like about the thing in Poland is that it's international. So we have 52 different nationalities there already. There are people coming from Indonesia, from Australia, South North America, South Africa, whole Europe, Russia, from everywhere, right? because it's such a well-organized event. And it's perfect for beginners because you they write you a character. So you don't have to think about that. Other events, you have to bring your own character. You have to think about it yourself. They give you clothes that you fit into the scenery because everybody's dressed up in costume. You're not like in your normal day clothes. You have medieval clothes, for example. That was a question, like, do you bring your own costume? Yeah, so you can bring your own costume if it fits the scenery. If not, you get something from them. They give you a bed, they give you food, right? They give you a whole story to play. They put you in a group, you have teachers, right? So everything is well organized. Is the food in line with the times that you're role-playing? The food is really tasty. <laughs> <laughs> is it like back in 100 years ago no, or no, a thousand it's, years before? It's not thousand years old food. They have fresh one. It's really good. <laughs> So, like, are you eating these big, like, you see at Renaissance festivals? Yeah. <laughs> you're no. eating, you know, pasta. <laughs> no, no. So, so the one, one big rule in LARP is don't be an asshole. So, also, if you eat something, you leave the place clean, right? You don't throw the food behind you. Like, no, you don't. You might do see that. in Game of Thrones or something. Yeah, something. Like you don't do that. The, the castle is usually it's a four star hotel. And for us, it's no other guests, it's only us, and everything is really well set up so there's no electric light every light switch is covered with a painting like a hand drawing of a monster or whatever so everything is put into that setting and we value that a lot so the people which go there they don't think about making a mess or destroying stuff it's like a really lovely community is it like a game is there are you trying to win something or achieve your goal as your character yes so, so your character is growing, so there are seasons, and every season has six episodes. And that is like a storyline. So you go in autumn maybe and you play episode one. 
then you go in spring and you play episode two of the same storyline. So you come back as the same character. So you would go to Poland maybe four or six times. Yeah, I've been there now for eight games. And in spring I will play another two. So I have two different characters. I have this innkeeper and I have another one. So last autumn I played three games after each other. So it's from Thursday till Sunday. Then I had three days of a break and then from Thursday till Sunday again. I would not recommend that. Because it's really <laughs> intense to be four different people, right? Yourself and then three characters. You mess up stuff. It's crazy. So And the emotions are really real because you're a real person, right? So you play with other persons and there's a lot going on. So the emotional load is really high. The physical load is really high. So it's an intense experience. That is why I like it so much. And it's international. So, so you met people from 51 other Countries, yeah, you, you meet people from everywhere. And and um, you're an innkeeper. I'm imagining like you're standing in one spot in your inn. No, 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 no. The, the character is an innkeeper. What he's doing there is a totally different thing, right? So oh. the, the setup that is going on there, I think for the podcast, it would be a little bit too much. Maybe, I don't know if you have show notes or something. We do have show notes. Yeah, so yeah. we can put in a link to the, to the site. It's called Witcher School. And then people can have a look and then they get an idea immediately because everything is subs uh, explained. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, hearing this for the first it's, time, I'm fascinated. It is, it is fascinating. I could talk for hours about it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's too much then, yeah. It's really interesting. Wherever you are in the world, I could recommend to go to a lab to experience uh, these things, yeah. And they have them all over the world. Yeah, all over the world. Wow. All over the world. I had ideas for Canada. There's a really nice one. I think they played it for 35 years already or 25 years. It's long, long, long thing. And in the beginning, it was just a bridge with two fields on each side. And over all the years, started to building houses there. So they have two villages and in the middle is a bridge and everything is only for the game. It's, oh my it's gosh. like amazing. It's, I uh, had no idea this whole world existed. It but exists. Yeah. It sounds wonderful for travel. It sounds it like, is. like you said, like a fantastic way to meet people from all over the world it is definitely yeah and the and one in canada i think it's three and a half thousand people so that makes the world really alive because you wherever you go something is going on you can't see it all you can't meet them all so that gives you the anonymous part from the real world and uh, a really interesting experience yeah I'm just curious. I know I can find this online, but for like a four-day experience in Poland, what's like the average price you would pay to do something like that? So in Poland, you have different rooms. So I think the average price is something about 550 euros, including, including food. costume, food, accommodation, organizing, everything. So you have doctors, psychologists, makeup teams, story writers, actors. So if we are 120 players, around 60 actors entertaining us right? giving us ideas what to do so it's quite uh, <laughs> quite quite a circus that is going on yeah well thank you so much for sharing that's fascinating i am myself going to be looking this up later yeah, you should join maybe in spring yeah all right <laughs> it's amazing yeah you also told me that you race cars you are interested in yeah. racing car. I, I found that to be fascinating because i've not been that exposed to that world but i think the act of actually racing a car would be for me it would be terrifying but what got you into racing cars and why do you enjoy it uh, i don't know when i started to get into cars maybe around when i was 18 or something but uh, since i lived in germany racing was not an option for me money-wise and time-wise 
and uh, so I did a lot of simulator racing. So you have like a, a simulator that has tracks and you have steering wheel and pedals and a seat and you race at home, let's say. And I made that to a certain level where I shared the, the races with the real race drivers because they have to train, right? And they can't always go into a real race car and run on a real racetrack because it's super expensive or the weather is bad or the track is spooked or whatever. So they go into simulations and there are simulators which have like laser scanned racetracks. So if you put a penny on the road, you have that penny in the game, right? Or in the simulation. So it's like that detailed and the cars and in, in modern racing, everything is there, all the data, all the telemetrics, everything is there. So the simulation gets the information from the real cars. So the behavior, whatever you do, is real. It's near real. The only thing you're missing is the G-forces and the psychology pressure of driving two cars with maybe 250 kilometers an hour with like 10 centimeters of distance down a straight. And that is the thing you can't get in a simulator, right? It's like because if you crash, it's a pity, but you don't destroy anything, right? And, and you don't lose all your game. And when I, my travels brought me to Cyprus in 2000, yeah, 2019. And uh, I didn't have a car for a while because I was traveling, but usually I always had one or more cars for, for passion. And I realized that the rules in Cyprus are really good for my needs, to say it diplomatic, right? And uh, I bought a car quite quick just to enjoy it. Didn't think so much about it. And then I realized they have a racetrack. And all you need is a helmet and pay 60 euros. And then you can go and, and try. And what we do is called time attack. So you race against the clock. You don't race against another car. So you don't bump into each other. That means you have nearly no risk of flipping. Because that is where, when really bad things happen, is when it flips or it burns, right? So if you take car, care of your car, it usually don't burn. And if you don't crash into other people, you don't flip. So it's okay safe, let's say. So I started with it. And then uh, I get more and more interested how to become better. So since I, I'm good with mechanics and I knew a lot about the simulator racing, I started to modify the car. So... You change tires, you change rims, brakes, suspension, seating, seat belts, steering wheels, bushings, everything. So that is my attempt. Makes a car drive really good and then maybe add more power. So that would be the next step then. But till now, I can still go quicker with how the car is. So I'm still learning, right? So there's maybe half a second left I can gain from how the car is. And when I get that second or half a second, then I will probably uh, start modifying the power. So it's a great learning and it's a lot of fun. The people are nice. You have a community going on and you can just go on the weekend and enjoy. And yeah, so this year, if COVID says okay, I want to participate in the championship to see how that works. That I go to the Time Attack Championship in my class. And then maybe next year with a, with a more modified car to see what, what else is there. So exciting. It, it is exciting, yeah. but it's quite... It, I mean, I looked into other motorsports. Right? I did drive motorcycles for a while and uh, the danger of injuries is way higher there, of course. 
and I had the opportunity to go rally racing because my neighbor in Cyprus is a rally racer since 1979 or something. So he builds his own cars in the workshop under his living house. It's amazing, it's like a dream, right? And he took us for training and that's a different level. So rally is it's crazy what they do. And uh, racing against other cars is totally different level and also endurance, right? So what we do is we do time attacks. So we go for a quick lap, then we make a cool down lap, then we do another quick lap and then a cool down lap. But if you drive like five quick laps in a row, you really feel the physics, the heat, the concentration, everything is so much more. So you have to be physical fit, mentally fit, yeah, to be able to do that on a high level. Imagine then there are 20 cars around you and the pressure must be amazing. So I think that's far away from being a real race driver, like you know it from TV. Yeah. But for Days me, of thunder. Yeah, for <laughs> example, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Experience with that. Yeah. So for me, it's more about the learning, the mechanical parts, the community and the self-improvement. That's so great. And it's so interesting to hear all the different things you've had a lot more time for now that you've found this location mm -hmm. dependence and financial independence. Yeah, gives you freedom. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And now I want to ask you about your next adventure, which is actually starting later today. Can you tell the listeners what you're about to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will fly to Capo Verde and then I will be picked up by... I don't know. And I don't know, it drives us to a coast where we hop in a really small motorboat. And that brings us out into the sea to a catamaran. And that's it. That's all I know because I never sailed before. I have no idea how the boat works. I know only two people on the boat from eight. <laughs> three because I know myself a bit. So maybe three people. And then we're gonna sail or drive or whatever across the Atlantic Ocean until we hopefully reach the coast of Brazil. So and this isn't that big of a boat for listeners who are not familiar with like... No, it's like a 38 feet catamaran. Yeah, so I think it's 12 meters long or something. Yeah, <laughs> but it fits eight people, so... And are you... Are there eight people? Yeah, we are eight people now. Okay. So it's cool. a full and uh, it will be a really interesting experience. I mainly said yes because I didn't have anything better to do and didn't know what I put myself into. So now I'm a bit excited to see what, what comes out of it. I'm so excited yeah. to share the, this like adventure with listeners who I'm sure many are, are you know stuck and maybe even a lockdown like I am right now. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting to think, you know, a boat or a sailboat is the way out <laughs> right now, but also just pushing yourself. There's still potential to push yourself and do new things. And Always, yeah. You know, so Always. I'd love to hear later how, how it went for you as well because I'm going to be following up with Sylvia from mm -hmm. episode 50 and hear how it was for her same thing as you she's never sailed yeah. like this before and I've just done quick like one week sailing trips from island to island in Greece okay. I actually did that in 2019 but I know it's completely different than what you're about to do yeah I don't know so I'm still happy <laughs> so we will see what comes out of it <laughs> <laughs> well good luck I'm yeah. so excited for you I know the sale for your boat arrived here at this house just a couple of days ago. So that's when you guys got the go-ahead to be able to go. Um, yeah. So that is another thing that the, the freedom and independence gives you, right? So for me it is, okay, uh, so I have to transport the sails to the boat. 
right? So for me it is, okay, can you fly there and there, pick up the sails, and then come to the boat? And I said, yes. Then the plan changed. So can we send the sails to Lisbon, and then you bring it to the boat? And I can say, yes. So when are the sails coming? Yeah, somewhere between Wednesday and Friday. I don't have to take vacation days. I can just say, okay, I fly in on Monday. I spend some days there. I've never been to Lisbon. So why not, right? And then you just here and you wait. And the day the sales arrived, you book a flight to your next destination. And then you say, okay, when is the flight available? Okay, Saturday. So we go on Saturday. So this freedom is really nice to enjoy that you can be so flexible and... And you could get your COVID tests that you, I know you had to get. Yeah, we had to get COVID tests, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't do any testing for a long time and now I did already two and I have to do a third one. So yeah, it's a bit crazy. Glad everything's gone fine so far. Yeah, yeah, everything will be fine. I have no doubts. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing so many different aspects of your background and this experience that you've had being a nomad and being location independent. If people want to follow you or follow any parts of the things you've discussed today, where can they go? So you can, of course, find me on Facebook. I don't know if you'd put it in the show notes or I will. it's easier because with my name, like Justus it's maybe a bit <laughs> tricky. I will put a link to. Cool. Yeah. Me. And then I have two YouTube channels. One is uh, like, yeah, my private channel where I share the car stuff. The pilot story will be there definitely in general some things from journeys so also the boat trip will be there so i will make videos about it and, and share my experience and then i have a second one which is called sorts so that is uh, like a season channel so there's one season now it's 17 episodes i think yeah and uh, yeah i just talk about certain things from my mind from my brain that i wanted to express that i want to get rid of so it's like really short videos like three to six minutes and they inspire or give a better insight in my brain and uh, i think once we did this trip and i'm in brazil i will probably record season two and then publish it there so for people which are stuck in lockdown or which are thinking about should i become a nomad or should i build my own business or what's next i think this channel can give a few nice ideas and from there you can follow up on your own pace thank you we will certainly put a link to those on the schooloftravels.com good luck sailing so excited to hear how your adventure goes and thank you for joining me today eustace thank you for having me thank you so much eustace it was such a pleasure to learn about your transition into the free and flexible lifestyle that you were longing for and it was also amazing to learn about all of your different interests some of which, as we heard, turned into passive income, and others, such as LARP, that resulted in new friendships and challenges that helped Eustace grow as a person. I actually spoke with Eustace more about LARP after our show, and I'm really excited to try it out after the pandemic. I think it sounds like a lot of fun and a great experience for anyone who loves improvisation and roleplay. I'm going to put the links to Eustace's personal website on theschooloftravels.com, along with a few popular LARP event sites, including the trip to that castle in Poland that Eustace talks about. Please check them out. In our next episode, we have another couple on the show to talk about taking a long-term relationship on the road and making it work through the age-old art of compromise. Until then, listeners, stay safe 
Stay healthy and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world. Living in this perfect world Everyone